Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. So this is this is how the sausage is made. <clears throat> Hello everyone. How are all of you wonderful rock and roll rock and rock and rock and rock and rock and rye fago ghouls out there in the audience today? This is a completely non-fumbled introduction to another episode of Horror Vanguard. I am one of your co-ghosts embodied in the flesh. My name is Ashley Darrow, joined as always by the one, the only, the Licrick guy, aka at John the Licrick. I got him doing so well today. <laughs> I I've Good morning. I've, I've got on I've got on my uh vintage 1950s style podcaster leather jacket. Oh yeah, yeah I yeah. I've got my hair back combed into like a teddy boy quiff. Um and I'm ready to discover the meaning of rock and roll. I'm so glad you found how I dressed in my early 20s. I'm so happy I get to relive this right now. <laughs> And we, we absolutely should have shot per, Horror Vanguard branded Shot Perfecto jackets. I think you and I both absolutely need those. Uh, I, you know what? I think, I think you're right. I think, I think people will be able to tell that for the nearly 250 episodes of the show, we haven't had that. And, <laughs> and it's really starting to get to us. Yeah, we, we really we really need people to be like, oh, they're podcasters in the same way you'd say, oh, they're rock stars. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I'm just living, living I, that jet set podcaster lifestyle. Well, you know what? They, people say uh, podcasting is done. People say podcasting is over. People say podcasting is dead. But you know, you you want to know something? What? Podca- podcasting is not over. Podcasting will never die. Ooh, fire, fire just shot out of my mic. This is going to be great. <laughs> uh, we We are here to talk about the genuine, honestly, what I think is maybe one of the most uh, genuinely charming romantic comedies you've ever made me watch, which is 1999's <laughs> Wild Zero. This this movie is absolutely incredible. Like I've I've watched this countless times over the years now, and I just ooh every time I just get the shivers. Uh, again, for people keeping score at home in terms of the big. The big Venn diagram of horror movies. We are we are firmly in the ash zone of cinema right now. We are <laughs> we are cascading down the discursive ash heap. Uh, we 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 are in for a treat. But perhaps perhaps people may, may not have seen Wild Zero. People people may not have come across this uh, unique artifact. So, Ash, my dear friend. Would you mind just laying it out for us? Wild Zero from 1999. What is it about? Wild Zero always makes me reflect on the horizons of potential. How do we set our own limitations and what external factors shape those potential futures? Our dreaming is the summoning of the ghosts that will either torment our failures or spur on further glory. Rock and roll has no boundaries, and we have a world to win. Wild Zero is imperfect, jagged, and assertive. The old world is dying, and now is the time of rock and roll monsters. We struggle, but it is our struggle. 
We have as much chemical potential for ecstasy, revelation, and joy as we do for melancholy and pain. This is not a vision of utopia yet to come, but one path we could walk to get to said utopia. Let our blood roar, let our blood explode, as we discuss Wild Zero. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, if, you're, if your blood isn't exploding by the end of this episode, I have failed as a podcaster. I mean, that's all we aim for, really, isn't it? That's all we aim for is people to, to, to have the blood literally boil out of them as they're transformed by weird space aliens. And, like, to transform is an excellent word here, right? Because, like... You know, like when when Guitar Wolf sings "Roaring Blood," right? Like, don't you just don't you just feel your blood start to boil a little? When I'm like when I'm like feeling down, one of one of the like cinematic moments I reflect on to like tap into an infinite well of cosmic energy is is just like like every single Guitar Wolf line in this movie. It was just like Ace Rock and Roll. I just like think of that, and I'm like, oh yeah. Let's rock and roll. Let's do this. And like, sure, yeah, I have your dad's mustache and, and I have that energy and I have to own it. But there, there, there's a powerful, powerful presence in this film. Well, should we begin then? Should we begin our um, descent by entering, as we always do, the formalism zone? Rock and roll like a- guitar riff. Yeah, in, insert fucking insane guitar riff right here. <laughs> they will give me the blood from their hearts. Oh my god. Okay, so so I know you want to start off by talking about the style of Guitar Wolf, because this is... I think it's safe to say an incredibly stylized piece of art. Yeah, I mean, let's let's start with a very simple question, which is like, how many different kinds of film is this? Because I think I can think of at least four, maybe five. Because this is this is a zombie movie. This is an alien invasion B movie. This is a romantic comedy. This is a this is a um, a musical. This is a movie musical. This is a road trip movie. This is a a military thriller, and it's all of these things at the same time. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's really this is one of those like oh what genre is the movie? Yes. Yeah, uh, Tetsuro Takuchi, the the director of this film put everything inside of this movie and managed to like, like this movie isn't an act of containing all of these styles or blending them or constraining them. This is, this is a cinevisual time bomb, right? Like the second you hit play on this movie, it, it will overflow into your reality, into your mind. And, and you are now part of the genre of this film. Yes, because this is a movie that is like, this 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 movie, like a really good gig, is inherently participatory, right? You Yo, don't deeply. Yep. You don't go to a, a guitar wolf show to just like listen to the music. You go to be a part of the show. You go right? to feel your blood explode. Exactly, and that's 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 what this film is trying to do. 
But I think we can also we can also place this in a in a in a cinematic genealogy, right? Uh, of mm-hmm. like of a, a very specific subset of musical of music in cinema. Yeah. So like uh, there are a number of like different genres, different cu- kinds of music that work really well with horror cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hip hop has a really long tradition of of horror of horror cinema. Absolutely. Uh, heavy metal, obviously, opera. Mm-hmm. But this is this this is punk horror. This is punk horror. And I just I'm just thinking, what what do you think about that? What do you think about the relationship between uh, the punk scene and horror movies? Well, I, th- I think this is really interesting, right? Because this kind of there, there's like um a long standing relationship between the the kind of proto punk musical movements and like raucous youth anti-establishment and massive air quotes musical styles and horror cinema right uh you know we, we, could, we could go all the way back to movies like the devil's weed and reefer madness you know to see to see the connection between like the music that the kids are listening to and some kind of nefarious evil forces it, it, this is played a lot played out a lot more once we get to the 50s and we hit teen exploitation. You know, mm-hmm. then, yeah, then yeah. oh man, the, the never let your kids go to a sock hop. That is the work of the devil. But I think like, you know, like, and then we can like the misfits right at the dawn of punk rock, right? Like punk rock is a genre forged aesthetically and symbolically inside of Hollywood and the horror movie scene. Uh, yeah, the, the line that I drew was from this film to Green Room, mm-hmm. which we covered on the covered on the show uh, way way back in yeah, the early with days, Graves. Uh, oh yeah, that was that was a great episode. Included a lot of really good discussions about bread. I I really, if you want to hear the best discussions about bread, I've had I haven't had better ones since then. Like go back and listen to the Green Room episode. Um, but yeah, there, it's just it's just cool that there is this kind of like underlying tradition of like punk horror as well as all of the other sort of musical flavors of horror. Yeah, yeah. And I think that this movie, a lot of like, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners like, you know, I I spent so much of my like 20s, like going to horror punk shows and listening to horror punk and playing in horror punk bands and all that stuff. And like horror punk is, I I think, a deceptively simplistic genre because a lot of it is extremely apolitical. And and again, massive quotes, right? It attempts to reject politics more more broadly. But I think that that is a, a... horrible failing of the category but i think that you coined what what i feel is a very appropriate schism to trace here because there's horror punk and punk horror and i think Uh, yes focalizing punk which the politics of punk are always complicated right you can have far right punk punk is not inherently left-leading it's an aesthetic format right like you 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 can remap it but punk is always i think naturally somehow aggressive you know it's it always has this caustic quality to whatever society has going on in varying levels of extremeness right uh certainly not you know blink 182 is punk but you you know blink 182 is also not as acidic as like i don't know crass (laughs) yeah no completely completely but by focalizing the punk, like I think Wild Zero is able to have the like punk grants you the freedom to press against societal boundaries. There's an, there's an, a sense of like aesthetic dissolution that's happening here. Like the, you are you're you're pouring a little acid onto what everyone accepts as kind of normal and sedate. Yeah. Um, are there are there are there any other kind of formal elements of the film that you wanted to make sure that we hit on? 
Um, you know, I think I, I think like visually, I, I think this movie it, it's kind of hard to translate like like musical scenes and into the cinematic i think it's, it's always interesting when when those attempts at translation happen um but because often it winds up being uh i i think downgraded to fashion aesthetics which i, I guess downgraded is not the right word because i don't mean to downplay the importance of fascism or kind of like the fascism oh my god fashion <laughs> or the, the importance of cultural readings we can do therein but but it's often like oh punk rock is mohawks and you know ripped t-shirt uh, you are now here's your punk rock tm business card but i think like th- th- this movie is punk cinema right like it, it 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 takes a baseball bat to the formal nature of film it takes a baseball bat to genre right with with the same energy as a bunch of people who don't know how to play their instruments starting a band that becomes an international success this is this is that spirit as a movie. This really captures like the spirit of not only what punk is, but what punk could be. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really good way of putting it, and a great way to kind of like move out of the formalism zone into the uh, in, into the into the kind of discourse of this film, which is precisely about the semiotics of 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 punk because. I mean, back in back in you know uh, Cold War Europe, if you were on the wrong side of the Berlin Wall, and you were like super into Sisters of Mercy, then you would be followed by the police. Yeah, right. The it's the the uh, the the DDR, the East German um, uh, police, used to keep uh, surveillance files of like punk groups uh and would like monitor punk bands that were trying to tour there so there's always this idea of like punk is having this it the 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 fashion aesthetics or the the aesthetic semiotics of punk are never divorced from a certain kind of like if not if not explicitly political then almost like pre-political orientation towards the world as it is right that's that there's a sort of um a a rejection there's a neg- there's a negation of the world at the core of punk um and it's it's super interesting that yeah it's it's there's something very kind of 1950s americana about this flavor of punk which is super interesting coming from a japanese band and i i i i'm i i'm kind of curious to know what you think about that kind of interesting tension that antagonism between the negativity of punk and between the sort of like the fifties hairstyles and the, and the leather jackets and the shades that's very grounded in a specific kind of place and time. Well, I think, I mean, the, the, I think like the, the big overarching kind of way to explain this and way to look at this is just kind of the, the cultural sharing that goes on between America and Japan post-war, you, you know, like mm. it, the, the, there's a lot of political and military alliance happening between both countries in the post-war period punk punk as a genre is really you know like obviously like we you know punk starts in the 70s etc and so forth but the kind of undercurrents that become punk like they're they're tied back to like the 50s teen exploitation identity right they're they're tied back to greasers you know gre- yeah, gre- and greasers like, and like uh james J- james dean yes absolutely right yeah that that live fast uh, die young mentality goes back further than punk rock yeah yeah, yeah, and so like the the band take the band take, uh, like this sort of like late fifties, early sixties fashion sensibility, mm-hmm. and they kind of mesh it with this like 
it's very like no- noise, almost like lo-fi punk rock. Yeah, which fe- which feels like uh, in this in this film, it like it sounds very nineteen nineties punk, right? That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- which they they called the band called it jet rock and roll. Yeah, right. It's because it's supposed to sound like a jet engine taking off as well, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love Guitar Wolf so much. Um, but I think I think like you're you're when when you identify the, this kind of like proto political element that goes on in punk, right? This kind of like negative politics that's happening here, right? The negation that is necessary for the construction of some kind of punk rock, right? Like punk rock is always, in in a sense, a lot of the aesthetic behind punk rock, both visually and audibly, is is oppositionally defined against something else. You know, like like what are what are the sellout establishment squares doing? We're going to do something else. Or like I, I often think of I do believe this is a crass line. I could be getting the band wrong. Uh or you know what? We'll just we'll I'll make up a new band called Crass right now and attribute it to that, so I win. Um but there's the line, the nature of their oppression is the aesthetic of our aggression. You know, this mm, this intentional yeah. recuperation, a reabsorption. In, in a proletarian sense, you know, like, and this is where like bullet belts and stuff like that come from, right? You know, and ripped up clothing, right? Like this natural desire to like take, take signs of oppression and flip them and invert them and the kind of inherent hostilities that that creates. And I think that this movie is doing this on like so many levels. Like, one, like this is a Japanese film. Uh, Guitar Wolf is a Japanese band. It was shot in Thailand. A lot of the zombies you see in the background are the Thai military. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, the, this is even if this movie didn't want to be loaded with intense political commentary, a, a Japanese production featuring the Thai military as zombies caused by an invading alien force that's defined by its catastrophic uh, air superiority. Like, there's a lot. Mm, there's a lot. There's a lot. In this movie. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> in the same way that Guitar Wolf, the band, right, has the, the. It's just the sound of a jet engine filling your blood. That's what this movie is on a discourse level. I mean, this is this is exactly the point, right? Mark Fisher talked about this all the time. That like British post punk emerged. Uh, uh, punk punks punks kind of primary affect is like the sneer of rejection. Yeah. Right, it, and Fisher Fisher kind of makes a divide between the punk, the punk affect and semiotics and and politics and the hippie uh, politics, uh, and you know probably a little harsh on the hippies in retrospect, especially when you see what happened to a lot of British punks uh, from the seventies and what they turned into. But this is this is the whole point, right? That to, to punk is about is about a negation of the world as it is, which even implicitly raises the possibility of how the world could be uh beyond it right and and i think i think like so so like a lot of people a lot of like you know because like punk rock was the music scene that a lot of my sensibilities were forged in and and one of one of the standard issue punk rock attitudes is a kind of detest for for hippies and that culture and psychedelia um, and a lot of that comes from naturally the fact that you know, the, the 1960s failed to overtake capitalism. You know, ne- neoliberalism won the day instead. So we don't have free love communes and, and LSD dispensers on every city corner. We have uh, app-based employment. 
But I think I think in a way like punk punk itself also has to struggle with the exact same problems that caused the downfall of the 1960s and the revolutionary political movements therein, right? Like punk punk has been so so recaptured by capital. I will never ever ever forget. I think this was the 2000 Olympic Games in London. Um, uh, correct me if I have the year wrong, but like the the fact that they they played God Save the Queen to introduce the Queen. Yeah, 20, 2012, wasn't it? Oh, 2012, yes, 2012, yes. No, no, nothing is safe, nothing is sacred. You, you know, like like this process has to be constantly revisited and renegotiated. Otherwise, you know, like your, your most, you know, caustic possible punk rock song is going to show up in a hair shampoo commercial. Uh, how, do you, how do you think the, the recapturing of media plays into this? Oh, so I think this is really interesting, right? Because again, like punk, punk is an aesthetic and that isn't to downplay it, but that is to give it a kind of formal shape, right? Goth is an aesthetic. It's got its, it's got its artistic histories. It's got its lineages. It's got its self-imposed boundaries. It's got the areas where it explores on the side. And of course, like we could take a Derridian approach to this and deconstruct it a little and look at the ways that genre is a lot more fluidic than we want to give it quality for. But punk, you know, like... You, you you can buy you can buy Sex Pistols merch anywhere now. Ramones T-shirts are everywhere. Like punk isn't underground and unheard of. It's it's now very sanitized, right? You know, like there are massive punk rock festivals in, in cities, and, and you know, like the cops aren't breaking down the door trying to shut it down. The city council is just accepting their fee for hosting a public event or whatever. It's it's you know very defanged as as far as kind of the like aesthetic messaging of punk would go but i think like within that right like there there is a seed there is a seed of something that is yet unbroken there's the seed of a potential that is not yet seeded right there 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 is the hope of something that could be there are the tools to build something that could be and this is just as true for punk rock as it is for like the hippies and the psychedelic movements what are your thoughts uh, no i completely agree and of course like punk is an aesthetic which is literally stitched together out of that which is rejected right yeah uh everything that's cast 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 out of uh uh the kind of like mainstream teleology of cultural development begets gets incorporated uh into into punk uh the you know the ripped clothes the kind of the spiked hair, the spiked collars, like the the bullet belts, like all of that is kind of detritus, right? But is then recontextualized and given new meaning. So it gives punk kind of a weird aesthetic ambivalence in that, like it's it is about a negation of the current order, but it is also completely dependent upon the things that the current order continues to to cast out of itself. Yes, yes, that is that is something that always kind of need to be tracked about punk rock, especially when we compare it to like punk rock's classic cultural enemy the hippie right like like punk punk rock is kind of defined against cultural mainstreams which means that it also needs those kind of oppressive cultural mainstreams to continue its existence yeah. and and you, we we could press against the boundaries of this too because there are like i think i think a lot about like a lot of anarcho punk and folk punk as a way for the, the kind of spirit of hippie culture to reemerge we, with, yeah, almost. Yeah, with, with the aggression of punk rock, with the kind of hatred that that is woven into punk as a genre, and it's almost like it's it's a flower blooming in concrete. You know, it's probably not destined to live very long, but you still see it. 
What do you think about Guitar Wolf as a, as a band then in the context of this film? Oh my god, I I so so the one thing the one the one scene that I that I really really like about this, right? Is because so Guitar Wolf in the context of this movie is super supportive of Ace. Ace is our like late late teens early 20s rock and roll guy who's like every late teens early 20s rock and roll guy like probably just a total dork you know like, yeah he's he's as he admits he's not cool he's not no. cool he's not he's not rock and roll and he isn't he, he it's it's not like he's 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 hiding his inner rock and roll or he needs to 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 find find his heart you know he is this just a loser kind of but that, that i think makes him so important and there's, there's i think like his character is also like really identified strongly with fluids which i think is useful for us like one of the first scenes we we see of him is him taking a piss in like a bathroom yeah. at a rock show yeah well once again once again yeah, there's yeah, there's <laughs> why is it why why is it every film every film you make me talk about has got like a really pivot pivotal piss scene in it I'm just I spin my big wheel every morning of which type of ooze or goo or, or or kind of sewage fluid we'll be talking about from a theoretical perspective, and t- today we've got we've got this one and a few others coming our way. <clears throat> um, but but that's like that's like a pivotal scene for for him, right? Or not a pivotal scene, but that's an important scene for us, the viewer, getting to know his character. You know, because like he's he's just a dork using a urinal, right? Like a, a rock and roll god would be like you know, like pissing off the stage or like, you know, doing something wild, but he's just like, he's in the bathroom like every other person who has to go to the bathroom and isn't a rock star. So that grounds him. But then like a few scenes after that, right. You, you know, like he, he, he wants to, you know, knock open the door to this club, right. To, to the club manager and be like, Hey, it's my turn to be a rock star. He finally works up the courage to do it. Kicks open the door and he finds out that Guitar Wolf and the the club promoter drug dealer guy have guns drawn. Uh, they're all about to kill each other, and he's walked in on a huge mess. And he immediately gets his ass kicked. Um, yes, yes, he does. But like after that, like so, uh, Guitar Wolf is the name of the lead singer from Guitar Wolf. Is <laughs> Bass Wolf and Drum Wolf also? Um. But like, like, then Guitar Wolf is like, hey, like, he kind of recognizes that this guy has the spirit, you know, like he, he, he's a dork, but in his heart, you know, he's, he's already living it, even though he isn't a success yet. And so he like, yeah. he, he, he does like a blood bond with him. Like he cuts both of their palms and like, like they become blood brothers as it were. And I think that that's really, a really, really, really important scene to, to look at. Right. Because isn't that kind of in a way the condition of the working class right aren't, aren't we're all in pain and in in very literal senses often our wounds are rubbing up against each other you know we're, we're constantly exchanging both you know sometimes literal blood but also s- symbolic blood through our labor with each other right you know we we might not be you know bound by blood in the way that family or or legally binding relationships like a marriage would be but we are bound by this kind of class structural blood and, and to, to wake up into that and to realize that like, Oh, I am part of this kind of rock and roll thing. Like I, I I'm valid. I'm in on this. I might not be as cool as the coolest guy possible, but I am in the same stream. Yeah. I mean, this is what solidarity looks like, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Wow. Yeah. Seriously. I could do, Cut my entire last five minutes of rambling and say that. Yeah, here we go.
Yeah, that's what that's what solidarity is. So solidarity is: Are you willing to bleed with the other person? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it is, right? Uh, because really, uh, idea the idea of politics is is one thing, right? I, the idea of the politics is fine. You can say anything you want about what you believe. You can say that you're like you're 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 truly punk or you believe in the spirit of rock and roll, but it's like. Not, not do you have to win the fight because he, because Ace doesn't win because he can't because he's just an ordinary, slightly, slightly goofy guy. But what he, what he does is he's willing to be in the fight. He's willing yeah. to be there. Uh, and you don't, you don't even have to win. You don't even have to fight well. You just have to be in the room. Yeah, we, like, we, we, that, that's what solidarity on. looks like. That's what it looks like. And and we we tell we tell these legendary legendary stories of like, um, Big Bill Haywood, Mother Jones, like Marx, Lenin, like all of these people who have like, you, you know, like Peter Kropotkin, you know, like these these larger than life personas, you, who who are who are storied in their histories and their deeds and their legacies, but but I think like like to to tie this into another musical artist that is punk, without the aesthetic. Uh, but Utah Phillips um, uh, d- does a wonderful I, rendition. I knew, I knew I you were going to bring up Utah Phillips. This is just, I'm just spinning the wheel of things Ash needs to talk about. So, so that way big Utah Phillips sends me the check. <laughs> oh man, I'm kidding. What a wonderful world that would be. But um, y- Utah Phillips does this amazing version of Union Burial Ground. And the recording opens up with him talking about just what I was saying, right? All of these like legendary figures that that will live on in mythology and biography and history but they're not the ones we owe we owe the people forgotten by history we we owe the nameless thousands in unmarked graves who 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 fought for unions fought for the weekend to exist fought to get children out of factories and and who won't make the history books who who have been lost to time like those those are those are the ghosts to which our debts are held and I think this raises the interesting question of if we accept that analogy, and I think it's a super compelling one, what do we think the position of Guitar Wolf really is? <laughs> because the thing is, the thing is, solidarity is 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 not just among a class strata, it's like between those classes too. But it's also a, an imaginative and culturally constructed process, right? Because the band in this are not people, not really. Uh, they are they are more like superheroes. Yes, right? they just appear yep. when you need them. And I'm like, isn't isn't that what they represent then? Right? If that's what solidar- solidarity is, isn't it? Isn't it the kind of solidarity which is imaginatively and culturally constructed? Uh, you know, it's about or to put this another way. Guitar Wolf is the avatar of of revolutionary history. All right, that's it. That's the episode, everybody. Uh, there's kind of nothing to say after that point, isn't there? God, that's amazing. Fuck yeah. Like, oh, hell yeah. I could not. That is that is incredible. <laughs> and, and incredibly should, accurate on top of that. <laughs> should, should we talk about the stage show? Oh, uh, yeah. We need to talk about the fact that fire comes out of everything. Yeah, fire comes out of literally everything. And if if you buy uh, the what's your fa- oh go on, 
What's your favorite? What's your favorite thing in the show in the in the entire film that that spits fire? Oh my god! Uh, I love the the flaming microphone. I, I love the flaming microphone yes. because I'm a podcaster. My, I mean, I don't know about you, but my my podcaster mic just shoots fire arbitrarily every few seconds. It's actually a huge detriment yeah. to the job, but. Yeah, it, you know, Audio Technica really needs to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> the sound quality is fantastic, but like arbitrarily every few seconds I just get blasted with a jet of magma. So what am I going to do? Uh, you know, if you support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash horror <laughs> we will be able to uh, upgrade our audio set so that we no longer regularly have fire damage inflicted upon our bodies and homes uh throughout the podcasting experience or we can you also oh, go on go on go on oh my god you also will get uh early access to every episode a bonus episode every month and access to the hv discord <laughs> that's been that's been one of the best uh throws to the hv uh patreon plug in a while so 10, 10 out of 10 <laughs> But but I so I think that there's we we can dig into a little bit about the kind of fire coming out of everything because so if you buy the DVD of Wild Zero there's a drinking game that comes with it and it, and uh, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of things that that spur forth taking a sip of your drink but one of them is fire comes out of something and to to be quite frank that could be the only one because that's enough to put you under the table with this film absolutely good grief. Oof. But what I will say is that from a kind of theoretical perspective, well, like, what's happening, right? Like, it's, it's kind of like to, to be Jamesonian about this and to kind of like evoke Mark Fisher's writing on the concept of the ray of right. What, what does it mean for fire to just shoot out of stuff, right? Like, the, the, there's this kind of there's a potential inside, right? There's this chemical energy that's bound up. And it can't be it can't be dealt with. It can't be gotten rid of. There's no way to fully sedate it because it is everywhere. Fire just shoots out of stuff, and it's never like because you know, like fire shoots out of the, the the tailpipe of the cars for Guitar Wolf as they drive away because they're rock stars and that's cool. But it also just yeah, shoots out yeah, of stuff. That's cool. <laughs> and I think that uh, that, yeah, that reminds microphones, us. Microphones. Yeah. Uh, office windows. Uh, just whatever. Just whatever, yeah. but that, that reminds us that there, there, there's there's potential everywhere for 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 ruptures, right? In, in in what we accept as the flat surface of our reality, right? Whether that's within the microphone of a band or whether that's in something completely mundane, the potential's there. It's just up to us to identify it and to evoke it. Well, actually, let's kind of push this a little bit further, right? Which is so in the context of what is the symbolic meaning of fire what what is what does fire truly represent um and so not only does this connect this wild zero with the dark souls trilogy of video games but it also connects this this film to uh the psychoanalysis <laughs> of fire by by Gaston Bachelard I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the, I know that laugh was delayed by by like a second and a half, but I heard nothing after Dark Souls because just let, let me let me let me apply my Carthus flame buff to my mic so I can get back into the podcast. Uh, so so like fi, fi, what is so you're right. What but what are those potentials, right? Mm -hmm. And fire fire is essentially Promethean. It was stolen from God. It's stolen from the divine. Yeah. Fire is the Promethean power 
to systematize and remake the material world. The mm-hmm. world, the Fuck world yeah. can be uh, fed into it, consumed, and transformed into uh, not matter but into energy. Right. So the, 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 these potentials are not directed towards concrete specificities. Right. But what they are are the manifestation and harnessing and manipulation of the Promethean impulse within all of humanity to remake existence itself. That's just absolutely beautiful. No, no I'm, I'm honestly, I went from laughing at the, the Dark Souls comment to just floored. <laughs> by, by, the, by the potential analysis you you pull from Wild Zero, you using the flame from Guitar Wolf's very microphone to forge that take is one of the most beautiful things to happen on this show. <laughs> uh, should we should we talk about one of the other th- other kinds of films this is? Uh, this is also a romantic comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is honestly one of the most touching and well done rom coms. You could honestly ever potentially watch. So, uh, why don't you kind of explain what we mean? What are we talking about here? Uh, so, uh, oh, go on, go on, go on. What are you going to say? No, no, no go, go, go on, go on. <laughs> so, um, uh, so Ace, Ace, our rock and roll dork uh, that we that we've established, um, like like all young rock and roll men, is is preoccupied with love. He is he is in search of a paramour to to complete his rock and roll style, uh, and being a dork, he's unable to to uh, stick the landing, as it were, right? So uh, he he encounters a young woman named Tobio, um, and they flirt. You know, he he kind of inadver- he 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 accidentally stops a gas station robbery and thereby saves her, um. And instead of instead of like you know being like hey could I have your phone number hey do you want a ride he he's just like hey I'm a huge dork and he kind of runs away on his motorcycle um, deeply endearing good little rom com setup there uh, but but we learn in in one of the best c- cinematic reveals that uh, Tobio is um, either transgender gender non-binary somehow in in a way that really upsets Ace. Uh, but we we then get the single greatest moment in cinematic history for rom-coms. Uh, and that's Guitar Wolf emerging in a vision to Ace. Uh, so Ace and Tobio are in a factory that's being beset by zombies. Or like a warehouse setting, right? Uh, Tobio is trapped in the zombies and Ace has locked himself in a room where he's safe. Uh, Guitar Wolf appears and says to Ace, Love has no, bound- love has no borders, nationalities, or genders. And at which point Ace realizes this is true, that, that his inability to love Tobio was actually a hang-up he had and, and not, not something intrinsic to the world itself. He heals something in himself and thereby becomes rock and roll. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know what? Uh, you can, there, there's much to kind of criticize about how it's done. Sure. Um, I think that's entirely reasonable, but it's also... Uh, it seems genuinely sincere. It seems uh, like remarkably, uh, remarkably open-minded and progressive for something that was made in ninety-nine, the late nineties. Yeah, which was infamously not a time that was uh, super open-minded towards gender non-conforming people and trans people generally. 
it's yeah, it's it's something it's something that I I, I honestly find really kind of endearing about this film two people fall for each other very hard and very quick and they and at the end of the film they're still together because that is the true meaning of being rock and roll (laughs) and well I, i like this as a way too to like we were talking earlier about a lot of punk's aesthetic about having this kind of disillusory acidic potential right like it's meant to to challenge and negate something and i think that one of the things that's happening here that's honestly kind of beautiful is it's doing that but to punk rock and rock and roll right like the form of punk rock and rock and roll especially by the late 90s is something that's incredibly homophobic right it's something that's incredibly transphobic it's something that's completely beholden to kind of this cis male heteronormativity and for kind of like you know like guitar wolf is is the picture of the male rock god you know, he he is this guy and he's the avatar, as you said earlier. He's the pure essence of this kind of personality. And for him to appear and be like, no, love love is a thing free of genders. Unfuck yourself, Ace. Yeah, like, absolutely. How, how can you not love that? How can you yeah, not love that? It, it's it's taking it's taking that same aggression and and being like, okay, well, there there are ways that we can harness this that, that are not only positive, but challenge our own assumptions. Right. It's it's not this kind of like drunk punks as hippies, like wanton disregard attitude. It's a, it's a taking this fire, right? Like, like the fire is coming out of Guitar Wolf here. Ace, Ace is being turned into flame in a sense in this sequence. Mm, there's a lot so of love. There's, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of love in this film. Uh, there is there is. The, the 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 weird homoerotic tension between uh guitar wolf and the nightclub promoter slash drug dealer <laughs> um who who is it's not it's not just me here who who that 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 character is extremely extremely obviously queer coded right there's this there's the the scene where he's wearing like the tight little booty shorts yeah uh yeah. which have got like which are like slit down the down the thighs uh, and he's he's talking about all the times that like you know him and Guitar Wolf had a really special connection. There's 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 that's another love story that's kind of blossoming here. Um, it's a film with a lot of love in it, right? It's yeah. It, it, it's it's very it's very it's very the word that I was thinking watching this is like it's very sincere. It is it is deeply sincere, and, and I think one thing that I think is really interesting about the kind of because like the club manager is almost the inversion of Guitar Wolf, right? He he's the shadow. If Guitar Wolf is this figure of kind of the a prefigurative avatar of a better world that is just just cresting on the horizon we can't reach, then the club promoter is is the nightfall behind us, right? It's that other crest. It's the thing that we can yet fall back into. You know, because he's he's lecherous, he's he's abusive, he's violent, he's focused on profit and money and working with arms dealers, you know, and it and it very much reminds me of kind of like, you know, if, <laughs> if Guitar Wolf is is kind of this like ultimate righteous figure of music, then is the club promoter what like your your bog standard rock and roll sellout who like used to make songs about freedom and peace and liberation and now they're like I, I don't know, forcing you to download their music on your iPhone because they signed a deal with an, you know, a company that's just vulgar. Blah. Um, 
there there's also love between the zombies right right at the end oh we absolutely have to talk about toshi and hanako yes yes uh a very tempestuous uh like borderline abusive relationship uh for for lots of it uh but right at the end the two were kind of reunited in death and i th- i think like you know like like out of all the things here right because like guitar wolf ultimately must confront his shadow right he, he must conf- confront this kind of uninversion of himself you know like and you know he destroys the shadow which is from like i guess like a Jungian shadow work perspective a little a little awkward contextually but uh, 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 okay okay jordan peterson <laughs> <laughs> well you see you must defeat the shadow which is your coke dealing abusive club manager in order for your bedroom to be cleaned by the phantom of a rock and roll god encouraging you to transcend the false binary of gender yes absolutely <laughs> yeah, my, my 13 rules for life would kick ass <laughs> Um, but like, so I think, I think especially with, um, Hanako and Toshi, like their, their relationship is, it's, it's problematic. It's on the rocks. They're definitely, they, they have some things that they at the very least need to have serious conversations about. There's some dysfunction here. You, you know, like, I don't know how far we're meant to read this. I don't know how far we want to read that, but they both become zombies in, in the end of the movie. And in in that unlife, you know, when when because like what is unlife, you know, because in this world, when you become a zombie, you retain your cognitive faculties, you know, you don't you don't become kind of like a mindless ghoul. You're still you. You're just dead um, and hungry for human flesh on the side. But you're still in there. But like, you know, like you're, you're, you've you've died. You've you've left the mortal coil. You've shuffled on. You're no longer bound by rent and utility bills and keeping up appearances at the office you know, and, and I think in that freedom, they're able to rediscover each other, right? Without the baggage and have the first kind of like intimate embrace they take in the entire film. Love is a kind of limit experience. Mm. Um, I, and in a way, remarkably close to death in lots of ways. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and so I think there's something kind of quite beautiful and philosophically interesting about the, the tradition of the zombie as lover. Mm hmm. Um, you know, there's things like Otto or Up With Dead People by Bruce LaBruce mm-hmm. uh, and a whole like moments like this and this idea of not just not just a zombie possessing a kind of consciousness, but a consciousness which can can because uh, <clears throat> love for the other is always the kind of like the coming out of oneself. Right. But the dialectical yes. return to self-consciousness but consciousness gets deepened and kind of like enlarged in that process. It isn't self-abnegation, right? But really falling in love is, if you will allow me to be ridiculously romantic about kind of self-discovery. Yes. To fall in love, to fall in love is in a sense to realize the person that you were all along, right? Because you get to see yourself, you get to see yourself through the eyes of another, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, it's very Hegelian. It's very Hegelian. Uh, Slavoj Žižek is this century's greatest romantic novelist, um, <laughs> but that's why I think that's why I think the zombie as a kind of figure of love is so interesting, right? Because it's like at the very limit of ourselves, what we discover is us, right? At the very at the very kind of like edge of human subjectivity, you're returned back into it. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, not not to be a cliche romantic here, but G- Guitar Wolf is about the power of love. Like the thing that saves yeah. the movie at the end of at the end the things that saves the day at the end of this movie is love. It's to- Toshi love and, and Hanukkah's love. What's that? Love and rock and roll. Right, absolutely. Right. You know, G- Guitar Wolf is able to to like cut a binding shackle on Ace and let him find love. Right, find his potential to, to ignite that by by kind of cracking open his his view on on gender and nationality. And is is there is there not something both revelatory and revolutionary inside of that? Is is the potential? I think that like and again, not to sound even more like I'm waxing romantic here, but like so so, so much of neoliberal society is structured in a way to crush the potential of love. You know, you know, to to turn finding love and being in love into something that can be not bought and sold directly as a commodity yet, but nevertheless commodified, rendered rendered to only its most granular transactable purposes. And and this 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 movie is like, no, no, that's not rock and roll enough. Rock, rock and roll transcends these things. Yes, exactly. Um, I think to finish off, should we should we talk about zombies and aliens? Um, absolutely. Uh, how about also samurais and samurai? Yes, and mops and and, and mops. <laughs> the four the four horsemen of the horror vanguard apocalypse: zombies, aliens, samurais, and mops. I've got to say, I'm a big fan of the Birdemic two graphics on the aliens. Uh, I love on it. the spaceships. I love it. I love it. So- I unironically love it so much. <laughs> and it's not, this is not even a case of so bad it's good. It's a, it's a case of like, okay, these artists knew 100% the kind of movie they were making. And if you would have had seamlessly without flaw special effects in this movie, it would have made it worse. The, the, these effects are punk rock. Yes, absolutely. Right. Because uh, it's, it's, it's all deliberate, right? People are, oh, it looks right. No, it's deliberate. Everything it, Punk is deliberately chosen to look the way that it does, to sound the way that it sounds, right? Yeah. It's, in, it's inherently deliberate. And these aliens, these aliens barely feature. They open, they're there at the opening uh, because of meteor crashes. Um, and then there's there's a few scenes towards the end and that's it. These aliens barely register because what they are, here's my theory about them, which is that these aliens do not really exist except as essentially... Uh, the function of what they are is to be the future arriving back into the past, disrupting mm-hmm. capitalist teleology, breaking open history, which is the cause of the dead rising from their grave. The aliens are the Gothic philosophy of history manifested mm-hmm. in, into hell into yeah. a kind of like punk rock present. Absolutely. Hell, hell yeah. They, they, they also have, again, like they, they, they have this... Uh, punk rock confrontational nature to them because by inserting aliens almost arbitrarily into a zombie film you you dissolve the the boundary you dissolve the border of genre you force this to sit just as comfortably in the horror as in the sci-fi you 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 place this movie into a stranger context and you also evoke much more complicated histories so what do you think about how these aliens are defeated Oh, with the power of rock and roll. <laughs> so, 
so so at the end of the movie uh the kind of alien mothership a- aliens are all over the world right we're, we're getting we're getting the message that humanity has fallen and aliens and zombies are everywhere um and, and so right 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 at our darkest moment when the alien mothership is landing uh, uh guitar guitar wolf himself jumps onto the top of a building uh, and reveals that the neck of his guitar uh, has this entire time hidden a legendary rock and roll sword that he uses to slice the mothership in half, which uh, through movie magic causes all of the zombies to die and all of the spaceships to blow up. Uh, it's it's Perfect. amazing. It's uh, as I as I've said before earlier today. Like this this film is everything Day Shift wishes it was. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because. Because it's like it's such a ridiculous, just like effortlessly charismatic rock and roll moment, you know, of like pulling up, pulling the neck of the guitar. The sword is revealed. Like it's just so effortlessly cool. And I'm like, you know, we talked about Day Shift so recently. It was just fresh in my mind. I was like, what a what a disappointment in retrospect that movie is when we have something like Wild Zero. Absolutely, and I, and I think like you could make the argument that 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 ending is really rushed. Right, he just he just you know sa- samurai slices a spaceship in half and all the zombies die and spaceships blow up. But I, I think that there's something useful in that because you know s- sometimes all it does take is one action. All it does take is is the right effort at the right moment. And that's like isn't this kind of like the beauty of the legendary samurai too? Right, like you've got you you've got like the you know also in westerns, right? You've got the young gun who's like showing off their target shooting skills and their flawless precision. And then the, the true master shows up and does it silently in a single move, you, you know, like, and, and there's, there, there's, I think lessons we can pull from that. Sometimes it's not the loudest effort or the flashiest effort. Sometimes it's just the effort that needs to be done. And sometimes that's jumping on top of a building and using your guitar sword to cut a spaceship in half. I mean, who, who, who among us has not, but okay but as a point of contrast and maybe as we start to wrap this up there is one <laughs> other there there is one other instrument that we have to talk about yes we have to talk about the mop ah uh, it returns to the 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 shards of mop sill return to us now in our moment of need lord elron <laughs> it is time to reforge the one true mop because of course ace so sorry for the as our rock and roll <laughs> Ace is our rock and roll loser, does not get the absolutely mind-treadingly cool guitar katana. Uh, insta- <laughs> instead, instead DLC he, weapon. Yeah, uh, my my favorite uh, scholar of the first sin bonus <laughs> weapon is the guitar katana. So you, you have to defeat Sif Guitar Wolf in order to take it. <laughs> but <Ba-dum>. ah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really important that the mop resurfaces, right? Because we, I'm going to go back to our Toxie episode if you want to hear my mind just just turn into some kind of sentient ooze and creep through the microphone while I talk about mops and horror. But the, the, the figure of the mop, I think, is really important because it's innocuous. It's in every home. It's, it's, a, it's an item of the working class. And it fits into this tradition of like, you, you know, like, like we have apocryphal and literal stories of martial arts traditions being built around working implements being turned into weapons farm implements turned turned into instruments of battle and here we see that happening to the mop and i think the mop 
you know, we, we, we talked about how it kind of like plays with phallic imagery, right? It's, it's, it's an item that's, it's coded as domestic labor. It's coded as cleaning. It's nevertheless phallic. However, it replaces the penetrative phallic end with this weird mop head that is about as agendered symbolically as you can become. And like, like, like the mop is such a site of symbolic conflict and to put it in the hands of a young rock and roll dork who's about to learn that love has no boundaries. It's just, oh, oh, it's hats off. Hats off to counterplanning from the kitchen, colon, wild zero. <laughs> uh, no, I, I can't say anything more. It's such a good point. It's such a good point. And it's so um, emblematic of the ways in which the imagery of this film can be, can be, if you want it to be, just disposable entertainment. But if you're willing to take it seriously... Yeah. There's such depth there's such depth and resonance to everything that's contained here. Oh, without without a shadow of a doubt, this film is just just chef's kiss. <laughs> I cannot if you have not seen Wild Zero, you you owe it to yourself to to watch this movie. If you're a fan of our show, if you've listened for for time immemorial now, like Wild Zero is one of those must-watch movies. And just just let let the theory trip that is this film take you where it takes you. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank any you. Fi- any any <laughs> final thoughts that you want to add? Honestly, just 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 enjoy Wild Zero. Just see what you can pull from. Like, there's so much. There's car culture stuff in here we didn't even get to. There, there's the geopolitical angle which w- was unexplored in today's episode. You you can go so much deeper on gender in this film as well. Like there is just, let alone drug culture stuff that's popping up in here. This is just a a fountain of of ideas and takes and knowledge. Uh, so so bathe bathe as one must in Guitar Wolf. Uh yes. How about you? Any what? any final sentiments? Uh no. What a trip. What an absolutely just beautiful weird spellbinding trip well thank you everyone for for joining us for today's episode on wild zero check this movie out enjoy it like share subscribe patreon etc and so forth and may your blood roar eternal that almost sounds klingon but that's a hint to something that's coming in october goodbye we hope you've enjoyed the dread discourse until next week Stay spooky.